When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? It is Ricky the Blue, the associate editor and Virginia Tech football beat writer for TechSideline.com. Welcome back to another edition of the of the TSL podcast. As always, I'm joined by Will Stewart and Chris Coleman. We don't have a special guest this week. I apologize. If you haven't listened to last week's podcast, definitely go listen to that. It was a blast talking to Bill Roth. We had a lot of fun talking about his uh, his career at Tech and now what he's doing post-career tech as a professor and, and how he's incre- bettering the Virginia Tech uh, Communications Department. But, Will, Chris, how are we doing? I'm doing well. General general thoughts on the early signing period? Uh, well, you know, we were just talking about uh, what an impact it would make on board traffic because normally everybody's used to one big signing day. Yeah. Now it's split off into two different dates. Uh, so I think it's still too early to tell the overall impact on us and – uh, you know, college football in general. Uh, I don't know if it'll long term be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, we'll see. I, I, I would like. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we will have good traffic in in February, and uh, and we can c- kind of combine those two days together to equal the traffic we had on the one big signing day for the past. <laughs> but uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Will here's your five minutes to uh, remind all of our subscribers and users how important it is that they stay on the boards. Uh, I think you just <laughs> phrased it perfectly. I don't. I don't need to take five minutes to explain that. We were just looking over traffic figures, and and for the for the year of 2017, January was our January was our highest uh, um, traffic figures in terms of page views. It was uh, six and a half million, and even the middle of football season, it didn't go over five and a half million for any any one month. So January is all about the build up to signing day in February. Well, that's gone. Um, so. Naturally, as a guy who has to pay the bills, who has to run the business and pay the bills, I'm concerned about what's going to happen in uh, January. But other than that, from a just from a, a standpoint of having to cover it and seeing that it's it's occurring, that this signing day occurred at the same time as bowl preparation, I, I just didn't like it. You yeah. know, from from a, from a standpoint of having to cover it, it, it wore me out. Usually, if signing day is in early February. Uh, you know, you can kind of, kind of, after a football season, as a guy who writes about the team, you can kind of uh, uh, recover during the month of January, and then gear up for that one day in February. Well, having it thrown in the middle of bowl prep right before Christmas, when we're all yeah trying to get the GI Joe with the Kung Fu grip for the kids. <laughs> that's an Eddie Murphy reference for you young people. Trading Places, nineteen eighty four. That's a great movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, you know, it's, uh, there's so much going on. I didn't like it. I did not like having that signing day on, on December 20th. You know, as a, as a media member, uh, having signing day at the beginning of February is absolutely perfect. Here's why you have bowl prep and then you have the bowl game, which is usually done in sometime in December. You know, if you're a really good team, it's done in the first week of January. After that, then you can shift your focus on the recruiting and really start to focus on that. And then signing day is you still have a month away from signing day. But but then you have a situation where you're trying to do bowl preparation. You're trying to make sure that you're finding out if Cam Phillips is going to play or not, which we know now that he obviously won't play. Um, and now that you have to throw all of your signing day coverage in there while you're doing bowl preparation, it, it, it's just a lot to do if you're, if you're a reporter. It's amazing how much has changed over the years. Now, remember, I've been doing this since uh, 1996. Yeah. And, uh, and then I've studied what happened in the past also. So the way it used to work was you had your signing day in early February, and the coaches would coach football during, during the season. And then from the end of the season until signing day, that's when the bulk of recruiting occurred. That's when everybody would schedule their official visits. I still think that's why you're allowed five official visits because you got roughly five weekends yeah. between or, – or you can fit five weekends between the end of the regular season and, and the traditional signing day. So uh, coaches used to do a ton of recruiting in the month of January. 
And then in 1995, I, I believe it was, um, Boston College and or UVA, what, what was happening right about that time period was suddenly it shifted and a lot of earlier commitments started happening. And, you know, again, I've, I've, it's, it's the scope of this is too big just for a, few, a couple of minutes in the podcast. But there were always situations in recruiting where things would shift and Frank always observed and then responded. He was never a guy who was out in front of the, on these things. So there was a year where UVA and or Boston College got the jump on tech in state. And Frank started shifting his recruiting back more towards the, the summer and, and in season. This stuff has all changed drastically over yeah, the it years. Has. You know, and and uh and it's only gonna change more now that players can start to take official visits um after this spring and summer after the junior year. And Justin Fuente talked about that, you know, and, and so you've got a situation. It doesn't seem to bother basketball, but you've got a situation where uh, basketball seems like a year-round recruiting cycle, anyway. Yeah, and and I kind of like the way they have their early signing period essentially right before their season starts, and, their and then they have a, yeah. their second signing period after the season. I wish football would do it that way. I wish they would have a signing period in August. Yeah, see, yeah. I I I share Fuentes. But but I know Fuente has reservations about that because you don't know how kid, you, football's different. You're gonna sign and then your coach gets fired. So what happens there? You sign a binding LOI. But basketball yeah. deals with it. Basketball, you know, they deals just open the kids yeah. back up. I, I'd look. I th- I think the difference between being one of these uh, guys recruited to play a sport and a regular student is just insane. I'm, I'm I remember getting accepted early admission to Virginia Tech in like December yeah. of my senior year, and then. So, you know, saying, yeah, I'm coming to, I'm going to Virginia Tech. I mean, I didn't find out until, you know, right around this time that, that I, that I was going to Virginia Tech. And now you got guys that are football players that are committing, gosh, some of them commit like a, a year, a year before, like they're not even finished with their junior year. Do you remember D'Angelo Hall committed in February of his junior year? Uh-huh. Right after signing day, D'Angelo I've, committed. I've got a friend, though, who was the first commitment of Virginia Tech's 1993 recruiting class, and he committed the day after the previous signing day. Yeah, and that was a big deal for back then. And D'Angelo more or less did that. Yes. He went yeah. very early. Yeah. Really quick, Dan Wolken wrote a column in USA Today, and if, if you don't read Dan Wolken, you should. I think he has a really good perspective on national issues in college football. He suggested something that I've suggested privately is that uh, you allow kids to sign an LOI whenever they want. Um, if you're going to have the an early kid starting to commit before um, before coaches get fired, why not just let them sign immediately? Because sometimes you have to protect young people from themselves. Fair enough. Uh, I think that's probably the biggest argument to not doing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I you just see how many decommits and stuff there are these days. Hell, there were there were several flips yesterday so, that were among like, four and five star players. Exactly. So. Then you'll get to the point where a guy will sign an LOI six months before signing day. So, and then he'll change. Then he'll realize, oh man, I really didn't think about this. I really need to get out of this LOI. So, do you let him out of the LOI? I guess you have to because you don't want a player on your team. Yeah, who that, doesn't that want doesn't to be, be there. there? So then, what become? What's the point of even signing the LOI if they're <laughs> yeah. not binding it? Yeah. It just becomes a, yeah. a, a almost a verbal commitment. Yeah. So a guy we're going to talk about later, Javante Jean Baptiste. I'll assume that's how it's pronounced. The the French. Jean Baptiste. You take a guy like him, um, and and here is a ramification that we'll see if it plays out in the next month, month and a half. Here is what I think is going to be a ramification of the early signing period. Um, that's a guy who is a kind of a late bloomer. He's just his stock is rising. Um, so you've had your early signing period. He didn't commit. He didn't sign. So he's he's a guy that uh, that I think Virginia Tech has a really good shot at. Unless Florida State, all the blue bloods start paying attention to him. Now. Yeah, if he starts getting recruited by the Florida States and the because he's ranked number one twenty in the country mm-hmm. by two twenty four seven, he's if probably he, the best defensive end left on the board at this point. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to get a lot of attention. And uh-huh. and on the one hand, I think Virginia Tech has a great shot at him. On the other hand, what's going to happen the next six you, weeks? You watch his highlight tape, and he. he looks like a Florida State guy. I mean, just the way his body's built and everything like that, and even the uniform his high school wears is kind of similar to Florida State's <laughs> uniforms. And I'm not saying I think Florida State's going to offer him or anything like that, but I know Florida State has, what, like the 60th-ranked recruiting class in the country right now because yeah, of no coaching change? Well, that and uh, there's some question into whether Jimbo kind of gave up 
on his uh, on this Early, class. Huh? Oh, yeah, oh, well, if he knew, he, I'm cycle. sure he knew he was yeah. leaving. So yeah, I'm sure he probably. I'm, did. I'm sure he figured Th- it that's out. That's human once... nature. If you know you're not going to coach them, yeah, that much longer. You're, you're, and the most difficult thing you do as a coach is recruiting. You're not going to do that anymore. That's the one thing that that's the first thing you're going to give up. Yeah. if you know you're not staying in. A why place, would you going to give up? Waste recruiting. a lot of time recruiting a bunch of guys you're not going to coach. Yeah. So if you're Willie Taggart and and that new Florida State staff. The, you know, one of the first things you're doing is you're just getting a list of uncommitted recruits. And you're going to see Javante Jean-Baptiste. Oh, you know, offers from Virginia Tech, Nebraska, Tennessee. Okay, let, let's, let's take a look at this film. guy. Let's watch him film <laughs> on And then you're going to be like, wow, this guy is basically K.J. Henry, except K.J. Henry from two years ago. He's not quite as developed as K.J. Henry, but give him a couple of years in a college weight room, and they're very, very, yeah. very similar prospects. Definitely. I, I think he's going to draw a lot of interest in the next month, and, and I just I don't want to be that guy, but I, I don't think he'll wind up in Blacksburg for that reason. The te- I, I think some heavyweights are going to come after the him. The tech coaching staff is still holding out hope that he will he will go ahead and sign in this period. Mm, um, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Um, you know, I think they're holding out a little bit of hope that Anthony Grant will do the same. I don't think it will happen. I think, I don't think it would be smart for those guys to do it personally. I mean, if you want to give yourself more options, um, but at the same time, and I don't think Virginia Tech is a big enough program to have the leverage of saying, "Hey, you know what? If you don't sign right now, we're going to pull your offer and get somebody else." Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 You just, know, I'll Clemson just... could do that to a recruit. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I, I don't think Virginia Tech could. We'll go and hit, go ahead and hit on some of the remaining targets later on in the podcast. But for now, but I'm... but let me sum up my my point is I think for the next until the February signing day, I think you're going to have the big dogs fighting over the scraps, and I think schools. Of Virginia Tech's level and below are going are gonna to struggle to get some of those kids. Just my take. We'll okay. see. Okay. Well, we'll definitely see how it turns out. But let's focus on this class right now. Uh, Twenty-two early signees. It, 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 that's if you not don't include Christian Darisaw, who obviously was a 2017 signee, uh, and, and now they're trying to lump him in with this class. But that's that's not uh, not not the point. Four four-star recruits, according to two four seven Sports. Eight four-star recruits, uh, according to Rivals. That includes Christian Darisaw. Nine four-star players uh, signed, according to ESPN. Uh, if you look at the recruiting rankings, Tech has definitely <clears throat> definitely made an improvement. 15th, according to 247 Sports, they were 16th in 2017. Uh, 14th by rivals this year, they were 28th in 2017. And <clears throat> 14th by ESPN, and they were 25th in 2017. So I want to go ahead and hit on some of these, these position groups and these players. Obviously, we got to start a quarterback. Quincy Patterson, Dewan Ellis, they get two quarterbacks in this class. Quincy Patterson, obviously an Elite 11 guy, uh, went to the opening. Dewan Ellis, a really, really fast prospect who has some has some skills with his arm. Uh, let, let's go ahead and start with Quincy Patterson. Chris, I know that a lot of fans are really excited about Quincy and his potential at the, at the quarterback position, um, but I think it is important that fans understand that he might not be someone who contributes early in the process. You don't want a true freshman playing quarterback unless you can absolutely help it. Florida State I mean, played a true freshman this year, and it right. didn't you, turn you out see what well. Happened. I, I mean, I remember Tyrod Taylor as a true sophomore throwing three touchdown passes and eight interceptions that year or something like that. I mean, he just was not good in his second year. So you, you want to slowly develop quarterbacks over time. Um, and you got to remember, the guy who compares most favorably – to uh, to Quincy Patterson is Jameis Winston, and he redshirted before he won a national championship and the Heisman Trophy and things like that. Michael Vick redshirted. Uh, you know, almost everybody, almost every good quarterback redshirts in the Definitely. history, in the history yeah. of Virginia Tech football. That is, and Quincy is not coming in January, right? No, no. Yeah. the so right. the original plan was that he was going to come in January. However, due to some family issues that I won't get won't get into on the podcast, he decided he wants to spend. Some more time with his family. Wants to spend some more time at home, so he will be enrolling this summer. Yeah, and and that and that's fine, and because he's not needed this year. I mean, I mean, let's face it. If you Tech is going to have good quarterback depth next year, they're going to have Josh Jackson, who's a who's going to be a redshirt sophomore with a year under his belt. They're going to have the former starting quarterback at Kansas. They're going to have Hendon Hooker coming off a redshirt year. Uh, you know, and if and if they need AJ Bush, you know that they could potentially use him, but I do think he'll change positions. But the bottom line is, Tech's quarterback's depth is going to be a lot better next year. Uh, it would it would be a disaster if they had to play Quincy Patterson next year. It'd mean at least two two or three guys got hurt. 
Um, so you can you can redshirt him and uh, bring him along on the proper development track, and I, I think that's important for quarterbacks. When was the last time you guys saw a quarterback room that is at least perceived to be as deep as this one is? Uh, you know, I think uh, as far as physical talent goes, I, I remember when uh, Glennon, Tyrod Taylor, and Corey Holt were, were on the roster, and and Ike Whitaker, that his redshirt freshman year, I, Ike Whitaker was a Ike was was always a talented guy, but he had some off the field issues with, with, with alcohol and things like that, and uh, and that's public knowledge. Yes, we're, that's we're public not, knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, that hurt his development. Um, so Tech was Tech was fairly loaded at quarterback back then in, in terms of talent. I mean, I remember when in the Florida State game in two thousand eight, when Glennon and Tyrod Taylor went down, and Corey Holt came into the game and threw a touchdown pass, and he had never played before. Um, so, and he was a senior that year, I, I believe, if I, if I recall. So, yeah, that was a really nice pass, actually. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I yeah, remember that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's been about a decade since Tech had this kind of quarterback up, as, as far as I can remember. That see, that's a good answer. My answer would have been, uh, never. You know, so that's <laughs> that's, that's why. That's well, why. I mean, I I do think that there is some merit to that response, though, because you think about it. When was the last time Tech had uh, two four-star recruits in the room? Had an experienced redshirt freshman in the room, had um, a former FBS starter in the room or a Power Five starter yeah, yeah. in the room. Um, I, I I don't know if they've ever had that amount of of talent and that much talent in the combined room. with an offensive coaching staff that has a history of exactly. knowing how to develop quarterbacks. Yeah, right. yeah. So yeah. I mean, it definitely seems like that's one of the stronger rooms, maybe in Tech history. Um, when it comes to Dewan Ellis, a guy who's 5'10", 5'11", 180. Tech is going to going to start him at quarterback. They're going to put him in the room. Now, careful how you phrase that. They're not going to start him at quarterback. Well, obviously. <laughs> he's going to start yes, out at yes, quarterback. Yes, he's going to start out at quarterback. Um, I, I know that he's a little undersized, but this, this coaching staff does like his potential as a passer. He's got a quick release. I was watching his film yesterday, actually. And a quick release, uh, got a strong arm than yeah. people would think. Now, this is highlight film that you're watching. You know, you always got to be careful about highlight film. They're not going to put the bad plays Especially in with quarterbacks. Yeah, and, you know, I've, I've talked to some people who have seen him at camp, and, and they say uh, his camp performances at quarterback aren't, aren't, aren't as good as, as, as highlight film, per se. So... I think they'll start him out there, like you said, uh, and give him a chance there because I'm sure they promised him they would. And and I do think there's enough potential there where it could potentially work out. You have to at least try it, right? And see we'll but, see what happens. I do think, I do think his future is better served by playing slot receiver. Okay. Is it Ellis who uh, is, is kind of, is, a, is a bit of a freak athlete, really fast? Yes. Um. So at the uh the, the opening the opening regional uh, up in D.C. because Ellis is is from Northern Virginia, plays high school football in Maryland. Uh, Ellis was the uh, fastest man at that competition. He beat Chris Tyree, who is a 2020 prospect that that uh that Tech is recruiting, and he beat someone else that I can't remember. But yeah, Dewan Ellis ran like a four four, um, like a four four eight. Or something along those lines. It was it was pretty ridiculous. And remember, the, the, we don't live in an era of inflated forty times anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, all, fifteen all, years ago they would have been saying Dewan Ellis around four two seven. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, all, all of that stuff is laser timed and all that, as, especially with Nike. So he, I mean, he's running legit four 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 five speed. Yeah. And I mean, w- w- with that speed and that you know potential throw the ball, you have to at least try it out. How uh, looking at his highlight film? How how shifty is he as a runner? Is he, he looks a straight line guy, or no? Nah, he 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 definitely looks pretty agile. Because I just heard you say he's shifty. Yeah. Yeah. he's well, you know what is he five ten five eleven one hundred eighty yeah. pounds? Yeah. yeah, and I just to me that that seems like exactly what I want in the slot a guy a guy who can take those uh, end arounds. Yeah, a guy who can uh, make plays in the open field. Uh, so that's how I view him. Now, if he comes in and proves he can play quarterback, that's fine. But I, I think ideally the future of Virginia Tech between him and Quincy Patterson is at least is that Patterson stays at quarterback and Ellis moves it to Jason Stame, who obviously does a lot of recruiting stuff for us, used to work for Rivals and he was out of Rivals. Well, still does actually. He, he yeah, runs, he yeah, does yeah. Well, but he was working full time with Rivals that you right. used to be. And he was out of Rivals camp and Dewan Ellis was there and he said that Dewan Ellis looked pretty good as a passer. So, yeah, if you have that kind of athlete who has the potential to, to throw the ball like that, you have to at least give him a chance, even if he is maybe a little undersized. But again, I think that having all of these options was, I mean, you know, think back three, four years ago when Michael Brewer was the starting quarterback 
and Brenda Motley was the backup. And you're just in there. Please don't get hurt, Brewer. <laughs> and now oh, you, now you have then, all these then, options. Brendan, please don't get hurt yeah, after yeah, he's yeah, in sure. there. I don't know. Who would have come in Brendan Motley? Uh, I don't even remember. That's the kind I don't of thing you would know better. Than that's, that. a, that's a good question. But all right, let, let's go ahead and move on to the running back position. This has been a position that I know you guys have been a little displeased with uh, in terms of the performance and their breakout ability. Obviously, Trayvon McMillan has, is moving on. He is no longer on the team. They get Caleb, uh, excuse me, uh, Caleb Stewart and Colbeck. Uh, Caleb Stewart is a kind of a bigger guy from Florida. He's about 203, 205 pounds already. Colbeck, obviously, everybody knows who Colbeck is at this point. He's a really fast kid from Blacksburg. Um, really explosive running back. Put up r- ridiculous numbers at Blacksburg these last couple seasons. The main question I want to ask you guys is, do you think either of these guys can be that impact running back that Tech really could have used for a season like this. It's it's so hard to tell because these guys are running against high school players, and you don't need great vision to run. Uh, if you're if you're cold back, you don't need any vision at all. You can have terrible vision and still outrun everybody yeah. because you're so fast. And uh, it's just it's so hard to say. Generally, Tech's running backs, if you go back to Lee Suggs, have been the four star type. Suggs was a top ten player in the state. Ryan Williams was a top 50 overall prospect in the country. So was David Wilson. Um, but at the same time, you had guys like Darren Evans, who was a three-star type, coming in from a wing T system. Um, and, you know, you had Brandon Orr, who, who was more of a three-star type, too. So it's, it's just it's hard to say. Um, I, I think if ever – I think they – I think a guy like Beck, if you watch his film, he's really, really fast and all that. Everybody knows that. He doesn't do some of the little things like he doesn't. He doesn't play through his the fakes. He's, he doesn't block things like that. He's just he's just a runner, and, and that's going to have to get coached out of him at the college level. Um, Definitely a redshirt year he is, coming. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, so, but he is fast enough that if he can pick up the little things as a running back, then yes, he could potentially be a star. The yeah. likely the likelihood of of him actually doing that though is maybe around ten or twenty percent or something like that. So, yeah, the. The physical ability is there, but he's going to have to do a lot to, to, to reach that ceiling, so to speak. I think, and in, in, I don't watch as much film as you guys do, but in watching film of some of these running backs at the high school level, what you tend to see is um, some pretty good blocking on the plays that are on the highlight film. Yeah, yeah. A lot of room for the, for the runner mm-hmm. to work. Mm-hmm. He'll show you a little bit of vision. He'll make one, not a jump cut or a sharp cut, but one cut cut back a little bit, find a seam, and, he's gone. and run for a touchdown. Nobody else in the field does any speed, so yeah. you, you just don't know what you're looking at. Now, the guys I like to see high school film are, you know, if you're going to be a good running back, um, the ability to make people miss, number one, and to break tackles, number two, those are the best running backs. A lot of guys can break tackles. A lot of guys can make people miss, but the best can do both of those things. And and it's sometimes looking at these highlight films, you just – you just don't see it. You know, you see yeah. guys with huge running lanes and they're just faster than everybody else on the field. So you're not sure what you get. Right. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, like when you watch Cam Akers high school film, you're like, man, that guy's a beast. Yeah. <laughs> I remember watching David Wilson's high school film and I'm like, man, this guy should be a five star player. This guy's awesome. But others, but, but others wasn't, you just can't tell. Wasn't Wilson's high school film basically just just a, a bunch of pitches wide to him? I, uh, well, I'm not really talking about the type of plays. The thing with Wilson is he could outrun people, and his lower body, his balance in high school, I mean, it was like pinballs, guys bouncing off of him. And, um, and it was that way in college. Yes, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of five-star kids, and I don't want to jump the gun here too much, but everyone knows this name. How important is it that Tech gets Devin Ford in 2019 just to keep the talent level in this running back room going? Yeah, I mean, I, I think – Right now, you'd have to consider him the number one target, the number the number one realistic target on the board right now. I think Rivals rates him the number one running back in the country. Looks like a Clemson Virginia Tech battle. Uh, unfortunately, he'll go down there and see all their waterfalls and and mini golf courses and, and laser tag <laughs> massage arenas. rooms. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know, Tech is closer than Clemson. We'll see. Uh, I mean, Tech is considered the favorite right now, but. It's just it's hard change. to it's hard it's hard to beat out Clemson for any recruit these days. I mean, they just spent fifty five million dollars on swimming pools and nap rooms and laser tag and and basketball courts and things like that for the football players. Their football players live better than than your average citizens right, so, right so, now. So, I mean, now, wait a minute. I was, I was, I was <laughs> if if you're like me and everybody's like me, you always think in the shower because you're just showering. So you do you do a lot of your best thinking in there. And I was thinking this morning. 
I looked at pictures of that facility yesterday. And yeah, everybody rags on the nap room and the giant slide and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But just walking into the front of that place, it's very cool and very impressive. You walk into the front doors and it's a large atrium area and it's an impressive entrance. And then off to the left, they have a replica of the hill that's in their stadium. And that's really cool. And, you know, when you walk into the Merriman Center from the parking lot, you open the door and there's a wall there. Right. It's not, <laughs> it's sometimes it's about amenities, about what kids can do with those amenities. Other times it's just, what does it look like? Well, and you now, have wait to, a minute, let, me, let me finish. Yeah. I think that's what, I, I think this $15 million athlete performance center, the, the giant cafeteria, they're going to strap onto the side of Castle. I think that's being underappreciated. That's going to be an impressive looking facility. Yeah. It will serve a very important function, but it also just have a visual wow factor. You have to give tech credit for doing the Merriman renovations that they've already done in terms of, excuse me, in terms of making it more appealing. They made it much better. Yeah. But there's nothing they can do about that big wall. Well, yes, they can actually. And I, I think Tom Gabbard, Ricky, you've talked to Tom. I think this is on the drawing board is to strap on some sort of entrance on the side between the current entrance and the parking lot. I think they have some plans to, you know, maybe it's just a wish list thing. I think they would like to build a more impressive entrance onto that building. I think they've talked about it, but yeah. the way Witt talked. Or is that day, just something I want to do? I think I remember <laughs> I remember you asking Tom Tom Gabbard about it, but I don't remember what his answer was. Trying to plant the seed. But yeah, well head. but but you know, Witt said the other day pretty much their next priority is renovating castle so uh, yeah hmm. he said that there are some minor things they want to do to the burroughs burleson tennis center uh which does need uh s- s- some renovations and then yeah the he said the next capital campaign they're going to try and raise a ton of money for some big time castle renovations okay so let's go to move on to the wide receiver position and i, I am going to lump in james mitchell a tight end in this group because he's told me and I've talked to other people. He's probably going to be used as a kind of a hybrid wide receiver type type role. So I, I want to go ahead and lump him in this group as just groups of pass catchers. Sure. Um, obviously, Trey Turner, uh, Daryl Simmons, James Mitchell. Uh, depending on where you look, all three of these guys are four-star recruits. Um, Tur- Trey Turner came in at 6'2", which was two inches shorter than, than he was originally listed at 6'4". Mm-hmm. Uh, Daryl Simmons came in at 6'3", which is an inch taller, and James Mitchell's at 6'4". Um, that amount of height uh, and that talent, that's uh, that's a pretty good haul for Tech, isn't it? Yeah, you know, there were times this year when you see the saw the wide receivers that were lining up for Virginia Tech. I mean, go back to the first game against West Virginia. You had Cam Phillips as an outside receiver. A lot of times you had Sean Savoy as an outside receiver w- with C.J. Carroll as a slot receiver. <laughs> so you're talking six feet, five nine, and five eight is your three wide receivers. And, and, and you know, next year, you know, you'll have Savoy in the slot, but you'll also have Eric Kuma at six two on the outside. You'll have Damon Hazelton at you know six two or six four, what whatever he is on the outside. Phil Patterson's at six two. Yeah, exactly. So, and and combine that with the guys that are coming in, who you know, let, let's face it, they're all good prospects. I really like them, but they're going to be true freshmen next year. And yeah. in the case of Trey Turner. He's coming off a shoulder injury that kept him out most of his senior season. And, and he's only 177, 177 pounds. Yeah, let pounds. me jump in here and say, looking at it on our site, he's still listed as 6'4", 185. He's listed on Hokie Sports as 6'2", 177. Right. Yeah. So, so he hasn't been able to lift weights, hit the weight room in, in months now. And we I don't even know the timetable of his return as far as when he can start working out and or whether he'll play in the spring or things like that. So you got to temper your expectations for these guys. I, I mean, a true freshman – you know, Tech got really fortunate in 2014 when Isaiah Ford and Cam Phillips were so yeah. ready to go as true freshmen. Yeah, really, uh, you're really. Right. And, and the, you got to remember, both of those guys came from private school, uh, and probably a little more prepared than maybe a public school guy. Uh, Academically, you mean? Academically, maturity level. Not to suggest that Trey Turner or any of those guys aren't mature. They, right. they were just, the, the private school kids are just used to, to a higher caliber of Expectations, expectations, academics, uh, even athletics. Because I mean, I mean, Cam went to uh, Dematha, uh, Isaiah went to Trinity down in Jacksonville. Those are the brothers. Those are both big time programs. Yeah, yeah, they are. Right. So I mean, probably bigger programs than a lot of Division three college programs. I would say. So uh, I just think uh, you got to temper your expectations to a certain extent. Really quick on Trey Turner, he's one of the recruits that is slated to enroll early. I have the list here, right. and this is not this is not set in stone. This could change 
but we were given this list. Eli Adams, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll get to him later. DJ Croson, we'll get to him later. Christian Derisaw, he's coming up in a second. Joe Kane, we'll, we'll talk to him about him. Oscar Shadley, the long snapper. Alan Tisdale, linebacker, we'll get to him. Trey Turner, a uh, preferred walk-on Caleb Smith, and Jermaine Waller, defensive back. Those so, are your, your projected early enrollees. To make a counterpoint to what Chris was just saying, I looked up Isaiah Ford, and Isaiah was listed at 6'2", 170, as a true freshman. Yep. And he came in in August, July or August. Uh, Trey Turner's listed at 6'2", 177. He's coming in in January. Mm-hmm. Chris says temper your expectations – I say if he's on the level of Isaiah Ford, he does have a chance to play and contribute next. Here's the thing about missed a senior year though of high school. Right, that's the that's the thing. Well, the the other thing too is is I think that coming out of high school, Isaiah was a lot more polished in terms of the skill set as a wide receiver. I think Trey Turner is a good receiver, and I think he has a higher. I think he might even have a higher ceiling than Isaiah. Here's my counterpoint, but I don't know. Trey Turner's coming into a simpler offense to pick up than the one Isaiah Ford came into. As this a is true. So this is true. Yeah, that that that's, that is a good point. Um, we'll see. We'll see how healthy he is this spring. If he can play this spring, then sure. You know, absolutely. That that's certainly possible. Uh, but you know, on the whole, you don't want to pin your hopes and dreams on true freshmen. Definitely. Uh, and you know, Fuente even said yesterday in his interview on on the show that. He still thinks Tech's a year away at receiver because yeah, yeah. There's and, nothing and, I want to hit by on. a year away. A year away, he means. After 2018, he means the 2019 yeah. season. So, and it just it just takes a while to develop these guys. Definitely. All right, Will, did you have something you want to add there? Nope. Go okay. ahead. I want to move on to the offensive line now. This is something that has obviously been a, a, a widely talked about topic on the boards in terms of Tech's level of offensive line recruiting. Well, they get three guys in this class. Uh, Christian Darisaw will enroll as well. Um, that's six offensive linemen added in the last two years. This year they get Walker Culver. Luke Tenuta and John Harris, two of those guys will likely play offensive tackle, and John Harris is likely to play on the interior. Um, good job by, yeah. by Vance Vice and Justin Fuente here? I think so. Um, if you look at John Harris, he had 16 Power 5 offers. Um, Walker Culver had how many? 10, including Auburn and Ohio State, and that's who Tech beat out for him at yeah. the end. And, you know, what was the other one? Tenuta. Tenuta. Yeah. He only had two, but it was UNC and West Virginia. And, you and know, he's also 6'7", 280. Right, or 6'8 and a half, as Vance Vice <laughs> said yesterday. I know, Vance Vice said he's 6'8 and a half, 6'9", and I'm thinking, really? Really? Man, <laughs> Buzz Williams could use that guy. There is a, <laughs> Buzz's ears perked up. There is a chance he might be bigger than Yashua Najman. Right. Wow. Which is which is hard to fathom, because right, right. Yashua Najman is a monstrous human being. And you see him as a tackle, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Sure, at that uh, you know, I'm actually starting to be a – big believer in Vance Vice's evaluation skills. I, I look at Darisaw. I saw some film yesterday of Darisaw at Fork Union. And, you know, they're playing Averett in Danville, which is a Division three program. Obviously, Averett is not Virginia Tech or the ACC. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still a Division three college program. And Darisaw is out there just crushing guys. Um, and, and, and I've heard the year at Fork Union has really done a lot for him. Fuente said that, that they really liked Darisol, but that he needed a year to prep because he came from a basketball background. Right. So he didn't have a lot of experience playing football, but now you get him that year at Fork Union, and it you, things are starting to move in the right direction. Yeah, and, and rivals bumped him from a two-star to a four-star during that year. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I, I'm, I'm really starting to think Vance Vice's evaluation ability is pretty good. Now, you know, it takes a while to develop an offensive lineman and things like that, so we really won't have an answer until a couple of years down the road. But I've always been an advocate of signing four or five offensive linemen per year, and obviously the current step, tech staff does not agree with that. But, I, I, you know, I make that observation saying, just looking at past results of Virginia Tech when – so many offensive, so many highly recruited offensive linemen that haven't recruited, haven't out. panned out. So I'm thinking, man, we need to take five offensive linemen because it's a given that, that we screwed up the evaluations of two of them and they're going to stay. Uh, that might not be the, the case with this staff. I mean, Vance Vice might be a, a really good evaluator and de- developer of talent, and if that's the case, you might only need to see sign three per year instead of four or five. When I did my offensive line recruiting analysis of the ACC, what I found is that the successful programs were signing three to four per year. So if you can sign average three to four, they've got obviously three three per year the last two years. If you can average three and a half to four offensive linemen a year, 
they usually that seems like it's a good number to keep your numbers at, up. At the rate of three a year, you are recruiting three offensive lines every five years. Is a way to think of it. Right. Yeah. Um, at the rate of three and a half to four per year, even more than that. Um, the thing about we we don't know. I was just sitting here thinking about Wyatt Teller while you guys were talking. Wyatt was a lot better this past season than he was always good. Yeah. But this past season, especially the second half, uh, the number of penalties were were, None. Cut, were cut way I down. From, I don't I don't remember any specific penalties on Wyatt. I don't either. Yeah. Um. Any did he give up any sacks at all? I mean, he or, gave up one pressure the whole year. You know, he yeah. had an According insane to Pro Football year. Focus, yeah. yeah. Everybody criticizes the Virginia Tech offensive line. Um, Wyatt had a, had an outstanding year. Wyatt still to this day is the best offensive line recruit I've seen in the state of Virginia in the last five years. And he was a defensive lineman. Yeah, but you know, I was watching his highlight tape, and I'm just sitting there writing the whole time. I'm like, offensive line, offensive line, <laughs> offensive line. Uh, yeah, and I don't so to this day I don't know why. I mean, just look at the way he plays, and if you watch his high school tape, I don't know why he didn't have an offer from Alabama or Ohio State. Or programs oh, yeah. like that because he was a dominant player. Guys always fall under the radar, yeah. especially in in states like Virginia. So, so to bring it back to the current guys and, and watching Walker Culver's film, I don't, I don't want to put this on Walker Culver's shoulders, but uh, I thought in his uniform he looked like Wyatt Teller, you know. And I don't know that he's as nasty as Wyatt was in high school, but you know uh, he finishes his blocks when he gets out to the second level and he finishes his blocks. Those guys go down in the turf; they, yeah. they get planted. I don't think he's quite explosive through the hips. Uh, coming out of a three-point stance right now is is a guy like Teller was at the same stage, but you know Teller was just a physical freak coming out of high school. Not and ninety-eight percent of your high school recruits aren't going to be as good as Teller was at the same stage. Yeah, and there's nothing that, that says Culver can't develop into something like that after a year or two in the weight room. Oh, I, I remember you saying back when Tech was re- recruiting Wyatt Teller that that was one guy they were head to head with UVA. Mm-hmm. Those were his last two choices, and I remember you saying. That's one guy I really don't want to lose to UVA is, yeah. is Wyatt Teller. Can you he imagine not Wyatt Teller fit, in he's a, not a fit UVA, UVA uniform? Yeah. <laughs> Wyatt, Teller, Wyatt, Wyatt Teller likes to go four-wheeling. And he's, you know, remember James Gale tweeted like a month ago, he's like talking about Teller. He's like, all it took is a pinch of skull and, and, and something like that to get him to commit. And, and, and I, don't, I don't think Wyatt at the time realized that he was a better fit for Tech than UVA yeah. until he got down here and got around our players and things like that. Yeah. Let's go move on to the defense line and obviously this is a position that uh is not maybe what we what it might be in in, in come february uh but i, w- I want to want to talk about the the two guys that signed right now eli adams joe kane adams a defensive end joe kane a defensive tackle uh the the first question i want to hit on in this grouping is the lack of depth at defensive tackle i really thought that if there was a year that you would take three defensive tackles for mm-hmm. for, for a particular class this would be the year. Tech right. got two last year. Uh, but if you look at just that position, there's not many guys left. And then with Cam Good's future being a little uncertain, we'll hit on that later. Um, and then you only add one defensive tackle. It seems like it's a bit of a worry. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I think the staff is 100% convinced that they'll get Cam Good. Okay. I, I mean, and I, I think, and I, I'm, I'm 100% convinced that they will too. So I'm basically counting it as a two defensive tackle class right now. And you know, this is the problem with two different signing days. You know, we, we're sitting here trying to evaluate the class right now when it's not quite complete yet. But uh, you know, Joe Keynes is kind of a typical tech defensive tackle recruit. Uh, played a lot of defensive end in high school, but you project him to move inside. Uh, he's already up to like 280 pounds. Yeah, so. yeah. He's kind of a big baby face guy, but but you know I think he's got some uh, ability to move. Uh, Charlie Wiles likes him. He he's a guy that came up for uh, a camp that I believe that they liked uh, in in the late spring. Joe Kane was on was getting ready to go visit Old Dominion, right? And changed. And his, then Charlie Wiles called him and said, "You need to come now." To, yeah, exactly. And next thing you know, he picked up an offer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and committed pretty soon thereafter, I think. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree on the whole. When I when I look at and see that Settle and Walker are rising seniors, and so or no, excuse me, Settle's a rising junior, but he might but not. He, be, he could leave. He could leave, and even if he does come back next year, he could easily leave after next year. Exactly. And so behind them, you've got Jared Hewitt, who I think will be a solid player for Tech. But after that, Xavier Burke was your fourth defensive tackle this year, uh, a converted tight end. 
and Darius Fullwood, Darius Fullwood, Taylor, and those Jimmy guys Taylor. aren't those guys at just this point. I mean, they're just probably not going to work out. So then you've got the two guys that redshirted last year: Robert Porsche, the fourth, and, and Jabril, Jabril Glaze, uh, which who I, th- I think they like both of those guys a lot. But if there was a year to take three defensive tackles, this probably would have been it. You know, I'm sitting here looking at at the roster as you're talking, and you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't phrase it that strongly with regards to a guy like Jimmy Taylor. I mean, he was just a redshirt freshman this past year. You know, you're right. Here's the thing with with I Jimmy Taylor, me, though, is that he played at the beginning of last year, so I'm sitting here thinking. You're thinking he, he's old. It seems yeah. like he's been here a while. Here's the thing with Jimmy Taylor is though, I I don't know where he fits on the line. It's become pretty clear that they're not convinced he's a defensive end for Tech. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure he's still listed at 260 pounds. List, listed at 256 for this 256. season. 256. That's not big enough to play defensive yeah, tackle. The thing is, I, unless you're really explosive like uh, Corey Marshall or, right, right, uh, right. or Woody Barron. Yeah, sure. And, and I, the, thing about, the thing about him is I, I look at what happened this year with Xavier Burke passing those guys. Remember at the beginning of the season, Xavier Burke was like your fifth defensive tackle, maybe sixth defensive yeah, tackle. Maybe, yeah. And by the end of the year, he had passed Jimmy Taylor. He had passed Darius Fulton. Yeah, that's not a good sign. Yeah, yeah, and he was up to the fourth defensive tackle. Xavier Burke is is going to be a redshirt junior next year, I next believe, year. right? So he, he, he could still contribute at that spot. Yeah, if you give him another I'm, spring and another off season. Well, by default, right now, yeah, you know he he would be contributing next year. He's another guy that seems like he's been here forever. But you're right, he's going to be because a redshirt he's, junior. That's well, because he switched positions like three times. He switched <laughs> he switched positions, and uh, I think he spent a year at in prep yeah, school. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe too. he spent a year at Fumo. So, yeah, I I want to go ahead and, or before we move on to linebacker, the young talent that Tech is accruing at defensive end, I think is really really good. Uh, you, you look at last year, they got three guys at that spot. Nathan Proctor, Taiwan Garbett, Zion DeBose. Now they get Eli Adams, who is drawing the uh, inevitable comparisons to Corey Moore because of his size, 5'11", 230. Um, but it still feels like that the, the amount of talent that they're getting at defensive end is is moving in the right direction. Yeah, I, th- I think so. You look at Even the, if they didn't get KJ Henry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you look at the defensive ends they signed last year and Nathan Proctor and Taiwan Garbett had more power five offers than any defensive ends they've signed in the last five or six years. Uh, and they redshirt, they were able to redshirt all those guys this yeah. year. And, uh, and with those two guys and Zion DeBose redshirting this year and, and Trevon Hill coming back, well, all the defensive ends. And, and Gaines back. is really coming on. Yeah. Yeah. Gaines is coming on, uh, you know, and Trevon Hill had a pretty good season. Um, you got Emmanuel Belmar in there who played some this year. Then you're going to have a lot more options. Everybody you just listed was, every, was either a sophomore this year or younger, right? Except so. for except for Mahota, who was a junior, right? But they'll all be back next year. And what I like is there there'll be enough defensive end depth in the program next year that they have to move Mahota inside. They can do they it. can do it. Yeah. And in fact, I kind of hope that happens um, because it seems like you're having a bit of a log jam at defensive end right now because you have so many young talented players in the system. You want to be able to get them on the field, yeah. but it's a little difficult when you've got guys like Trayvon Hill and Vinny Mahota who are holding it down. And in Trayvon Hill's case, he's been pretty explosive. Uh, you know, I think Mahota can be a better playmaker at defensive tackle than he is at defensive end. You know, he's a good, he's a gap sound player, he's a good player, but he's a three or four tackle for loss per year guy. And you prefer to have somebody getting eight or ten tackles for loss. He doesn't bring as much event. speed off the edge. Yeah, he, yeah. He, if Vinny's never going to be in the wrong spot. Correct. And he's never going to get run over because he's a big, strong guy. But he doesn't have that ability to bend and get around the edge like a Trayvon Hill does. Yeah. That, that's what he does best. Yeah. And, you know, he was a 3-4 defensive end. And his only other listed offer, I don't know if they actually list this, but some, some tech recruiting gurus were claiming that he got an offer of, from Alabama out of high school. Vinny? Yeah, and so if he did, it was for a defensive end in a 3-4 system. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's kind of the – he's one of those rare defensive linemen for Virginia Tech that has actually made it on the field despite being some a type of a tweener. Yeah, he definitely has been a tweener yeah. for a while, but you're, but you're right. He's made it on the field, and he's been a, a consistent contributor for Tech. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the linebacker spot. They get Alan Tisdale, who projects to be an outside linebacker. Uh, Keyshawn Artis, who projects to be the Mike linebacker. Uh, overall impressions with these two guys? I thought it was very interesting. First of all, I'm really excited about Keyshawn Artis. Uh, so is Bud Foster. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like watching his film. Um, 
It was interesting that Bud said he even had a the uh, athletic ability to play backer. Bud yeah. did say that. Yeah, he did. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Keyshawn's closing speed is 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 strong. Again, watching his highlight film, and everybody looks great on a highlight film. Yeah. But you know, on but, his well, highlight, but there are certain things you can pick up on a highlight film. The, yeah, the ability to, to maneuver through traffic, you know, to find that, that is so essential, and that's what Vince Hall, let's invoke the name Vince Hall. <laughs> that's what Vince Hall was so good at was just just – Vision, you know, they talk about vision for running backs and vision for middle linebackers is, is just critical. Yeah. You have to see the, through a the lot ability of trash. to figure out what lane to take and then to take it quickly. And that's the kind of thing Matua Puaka is good at when he's on the outside, not good at it on the inside. Artis looks like he's good at it on the inside. And some of his tackles, you know, as the phrase heavy shoulder, he arrives, yeah. he arrives with good speed and, and, and good, uh, Good weight, I Good guess. Power. He hits it hard, yeah. yeah. Power. Yeah, he when he hits a guy, they stop and yeah, you know, they go backwards. Uh, and yeah. I was I was watching Feaster for Clemson run over Matua Pawaka for one of his touchdowns. Yeah. I think I think that was a fourth and one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I believe you're right. Right, right, it right was, down it there was on the goal. Seventeen line. to three, and and Matua Pawaka hit him in the hole, and Feaster just ran. Just over, ran over. You know, and I would and, like that. To and Fe- stop. Feaster's like 200, 210 pounds or something like yeah, that. He's not right. a big back. So yeah, I mean, I think Matua Pawaka had a really good career at Virginia Tech overall and I think he's the best coverage Mike linebacker Virginia he's Tech's ever had as far as I can remember he's really good in but coverage. he's not your heavy shoulder strong at the point of attack guy and that's not really his fault because remember he was originally recruited as a he's whip a by Virginia Tech <laughs> yeah uh, you know so I mean he's just not that type of player um I think the guys Tech have at Mike now you know like Rayshard Ashby is kind of that type um, and I think Keyshawn, Keyshawn Artis is really that type. Guys that are going to bring a little more power to, to run defense. And, and even Tavante Beckett had some of that, you know. Yeah. Um, help me out here. What is the final? No, he's going to Marshall. Okay, so Beckett's out. But, yeah. you know, I, I know we did watch him, and he, and he did hit pretty hard for a guy who I think wasn't was, real Yeah, big. I think he was a good player, a good instinctive player. Um, Big difference between developing as a player in the tech system and developing as a player in the Marshall system. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, they've signed five linebackers in the last two years, and they've signed obviously even more of that if you go back to the class of 2016. Um, are you worried at all about the over-signing at that spot? No, it was necessary. I mean, Tech was basically down to just two or three scholarship linebackers after this year if they hadn't yeah. if they hadn't over-signed like that. And, and, you know, and they've lost Beckett since then. So, so, yeah. so there's been some attrition there, too. They lost Carson Lydon, uh, you know, after the 2015 season. So there has been some attrition there. I think when you're about to run out of players, you kind of have to over-recruit. Uh, Which know, will be the next position we're getting to. Will be at the next position that we're talking about. Uh, and you know, you've seen them over recruited wide receiver a bit. I mean, even when you include transfers and grad transfers and and, and JUCOs like Henry Murphy and things like that. Yeah. I, I think you want to catch up. Um, and yes, you know there will be attrition when you over recruit, especially when only two linebackers play these days. You don't and they don't, and they don't sub the linebackers. Anymore. But does not sub. He doesn't sub exactly. So I think it was necessary, and I'm glad they did it. Um, but you got to think that of those four linebackers that Virginia Tech signed last year, probably only two of them will finish their career at Virginia Tech. Let's go ahead and move on to the defensive back position. And this, speaking of positions being over recruited, I think this was one that you, we can we can point to and say they had to over recruit that mm-hmm. position. Um, here is a list of uh, guys who are playing defensive back and who we are projecting are playing defensive back that are actually listed as athletes. You have Nadir Thompson, Armani Chapman, Jeremy Webb. Jermaine Waller, DJ Croson, Shamari Connor, and Nasir Peoples. So that's seven guys that are probably going to play defensive back on this roster. Mm-hmm. Um, did they over-recruit too much there, or did they get the, the requisite amount of guys? I, I don't think they over-recruited too much when you consider that Webb is going to be a junior. Yeah, and he'll right only have away. two years in the yeah, system. Yeah, exactly. And the three guys that stand out there to me there are Webb, Connor, and Croson. And when I look at Webb and I look at his highlight tape – Highlight tape again, you know, let's throw that qualifier out there. It doesn't necessarily mean a lot. But the first play, he takes the wide receiver and runs him through the chain gang. It's like the chain gang guys are going down, the receiver's going down, and, and Webb is just crushing all of them. I, I think he's got a chance to be a very good player for Tech. Uh, I expect him to start from day There's one, There's a good basically. chance he starts next year. Yeah, because he's coming in January. He's right? coming in January, and he's a JUCO guy. Actually, no. Jeremy Webb is not on the current list of early enrollees. 
So did that, he do? Didn't he do an interview I, with, with Jason last week? Yes, say? but but according to Tech, he is not on the current list of early enrollees. Now that could change. But, See, and, and I thought they when they were showing his film yesterday on the HokieSports.com show, I thought they said it was coming in January. That but, was the original thought, but I'm just talking about uh, what Tech okay. has given us. So All at right. the moment, and uh, maybe this is breaking news, but. At the moment, Jeremy Webb is not on the early enrollee list. If that changes, we'll let you know. Well, you know, I'm not necessarily trusting Virginia Tech with their information release these days. <laughs> I mean, they, they, remember you when you oh, told man. you told everybody you there. You told everybody yesterday that oh, Caleb yeah. Smith was going to yeah. be was going to be a preferred walk on for Virginia Tech, and then Virginia a spokesman for Virginia Tech came out with a release for all the other media members that said, oh, no, he's a scholarship player. And, yeah. Guess what? He was a preferred walk-on. Yeah, the spokesman I, for Virginia Tech didn't know what he was talking about. I, I, so, I had a well, – let's just say I had a good source yeah, on that, on right. that information. It, yeah, but. exactly. Uh, speaking of Caleb Smith, this he's a walk-on. Tech got him as a walk-on, and he had, had offers from UVA, Wake Forest, and I think one other Power 5 program. The, 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 the rumor on Caleb Smith, who is a, a guy who might play receiver or safety or whatnot, um, is that he, he obviously dealt with a lot of injuries his senior year, mm-hmm. and apparently uh, Wake, who was what he was committed to anyway, apparently Wake was starting to cool on him, and there was a chance they might pull his offer anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, but still, for yeah. him to – just give up on the on the Wake scholarship offer and not continue to fight for it, and to take a PWO at Virginia Tech. That's that's kind of he's, interesting. He's got more Power Five offers as a preferred walk on than some of Virginia Tech's past scholarship wide receivers. <laughs> You're not Ba-da-bum-bum. wrong. Yeah. Um, among this group, I know you named a, a few, but who are some standouts of this group that people should really like? I like Jermaine Waller. Uh, I think Jermaine yeah, Waller is a chance I, to be really good. And they saw him at a camp up at their their own camp up in Maryland. Yeah, know, one of those satellite yeah, it was camps up at Howard, I believe. Yeah, that you're allowed to do these days, and, and they really like what they saw from him in person. I, I like Croson's length, uh, Greensboro guy, good player. Uh, safety, I really like Shamari Connor. He reminds me a lot of Reggie Floyd, and I, and I know the coach that said that on the field hitter. yesterday. He's a big hitter, heavy shoulder type, to throw that phrase out there again. Kind of built like Floyd. I guess he's probably around 200 pounds right now. Will probably be 215 after yeah. a year at, at Virginia Tech. Uh, and, and, you know, Virginia Tech had to hold off some late suitors for him. You know, he was considering taking some visits and things yeah. like that, and uh, but they were able to hold on to him. I really like those three guys. Uh, not that I dislike the the other guys at all. I, I, I really like Nadir Thompson. I was just about to say, before uh, I, he got hurt, I think he would have had a great chance to, to play as a freshman. I think his overall athleticism is, is very good. Uh, what's he listed as height-wise? I believe it's 5'10", 165 is what we have. I have not looked to no, see what Hokie Sports has. Yeah, they, I, I believe he's about 5'10", 175 to 180. You see – and part of me thinks he's going to end up being a slot receiver for Virginia Tech. He just kind of looks happen. like one when you look at his athleticism and his size. And when's the last time Tech played a corner under six feet? I mean, Virginia Tech wants length from their cornerbacks these days. You, you saw it yesterday when Brian Mitchell and all those guys were talking talking about Croson and talking about Waller and talking about Webb. And, and, the, and they were like, this is what we really want from cornerbacks these days, and long, lengthy guys and things like that. So, so we have Croson and Waller at 6'2 and Webb at 6'3. Yeah. Do you know what Hokie Sports had them I believe at? Waller is up to 6'3 now. Wow. And I believe Croson is actually down to 6'1". Okay, if, if those guys can move and cover, then that's excellent size. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I really like Nadir Thompson's athleticism, mm-hmm. and I think that if Tech fans saw him with his with his hands on the ball, I think they'd be just fine with that because yeah. I really think he could move. Um, really quick, the importance of Jeremy Webb just in terms of getting an experienced mm-hmm. guy in the system. Yeah, and a guy who can start right away. And you know, even if somehow he doesn't start right away, and maybe Bryce That's Watt a great starts depth instead, option. it's a great depth option, and he allows one of those true freshmen to redshirt, whereas otherwise they might not be able to redshirt. Definitely. And because he's a JUCO, it spaces out the class a yeah, little bit. Yes, it as, does. As opposed to them being loaded with all freshmen. Uh, obviously, there were two committed recruits that did not sign yesterday and that haven't signed yet that obviously could change. Cam Good, defensive tackle, and athlete James Graham. Uh, now, really quick on Cam Good because it was a little confusion as of yesterday. So I remember yesterday afternoon we were you and I were talking about how Cam Good hasn't signed yet. We were kind of curious. Mm-hmm. Well, Jason, who has talked to Cam before, uh, Jason reached out to Cam and Cam uh, told Jason that um, he has already signed his national letter of intent, uh, but that he uh, does will not announce it until February second, I believe. Um, and then he also mentioned a comment about how 
there was some sort of bumpy road with him in Virginia Tech, but that everything's okay now. Yeah. Um, I talked to a Virginia Tech staffer yesterday who said that they think that everything's going to be fine and that they don't have a, a worry about it. Um, I know that you said that you don't think that there's a worry there. I, I think he's But I find signed. the whole situation kind of weird. We told Jason yesterday that he already signed, yeah. but he's not going to announce who he signed with. So, you know, the tech staff isn't going to tell you or me or anybody else if he's already signed because they don't want that information out there. They promised him yeah. it wouldn't be out there. Uh, I think he's already signed with Virginia Tech personally. Uh, I think he's a very good pickup, kind of. A, uh, I really like him yeah. a lot. He's Got, a he's he's big and he's small. He's short, but he's, he's wide. short, but he's big and, and, and he's and he, wide, and he moves very. But well. But he's so quick. Yeah. I, I saw him work out in drills at a, a camp up in up, up in DC, and that kid can move. Yeah, I'm just about. And he was 320 when he was moving. Right, I'm just about 100 percent convinced that he's going to end up at Virginia Tech, uh, and that's. I haven't. Have you seen Virginia Tech offer any new defensive tackles no, this week? No, which would be which, would, which be would be a sign. Which would be a sign, and we haven't seen that. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, Goods uh, coming to Virginia Tech. As far as I'm concerned, I'd be surprised if he doesn't. The other one that didn't sign obviously is James Graham, who has, uh, according to Jason, who's done, done a lot of great recruiting stuff for us. He's visited Georgia Tech twice in the last month. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he he took an official there. He's from Georgia. They're offering him to play quarterback. Um, are you starting to think that there's a chance that he's probably not going to sign? Yeah. Or a good uh, chance? Well, uh, you know, I, th- I think it could be. And we'll, we'll, is Virginia Tech going to be willing to wait until February on him? Would Georgia Tech be willing to wait until February yeah. on him? Uh, I, I think if he really likes Virginia Tech or Georgia Tech, he needs to pick one in the next two days. And now. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, he might be starting over again in, in his recruitment in January. Or could it be a situation like Will mentioned earlier where – Somebody comes in and figures out that James Graham is a really good athlete mm-hmm. and offers him to play as an athlete at maybe Ohio State or Florida State or a Georgia. Yeah, I mean, it's it's possible. Um, Granted, uh, Georgia doesn't need much right now. They've got the number one recruiting right. class in and the country. And he's from Georgia, so you know Georgia's completely done their homework yeah. on him. And so I do think he'll probably... If I were him, I would sign in the next couple of days. If I really liked Virginia Tech sign and Georgia Tech. before the period is over? Yeah, yeah, because you just don't know what's going to be out there, and you don't know if Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech are going to wait. Um, I, I think he's a very good prospect, but, you know, if I – if He's I, a guy that would likely be a, a wide receiver or, or, or maybe run, even a running back type. Maybe even a running back type. Uh, and if he's a running back type, honestly, from an athletic ability standpoint, he looks more like a running back to me. And in, in which case, if Virginia Tech gets Anthony Grant, then that's four running backs in one class. Yeah, that's a lot. That's that's too many. That's obviously. a lot. So Graham is a four-star guy. Yes. Listed at 6'1", 180. That's what we have anyway. Uh, that, I think that's accurate. Okay. Um, so so that's that's how you get – so tell me a little bit more about it. I'm not real familiar with him. I hear – He's got a big offer list. James Graham, he has, he has a really good offer list, but just about all of it's to play athlete. Yeah, and, you know, it's one of those well, – play athlete. You can't tell athlete. what's a committable offer and what's not. You know, at one point he was listed with an Alabama offer. He's actually no longer listed with an Alabama offer on Rivals. But at one point he was doing interviews saying Alabama was recruiting him the hardest out of anybody. Well, if Alabama, if you really had a committable offer to Alabama, Wouldn't I think you he would go to Alabama. Alabama right? This yeah. recruitment uh, reminds me a little bit of Malik Willis from last year, who I thought could be a really good cornerback for Virginia Tech. Auburn came in at the last minute, yep. offered him as a quarterback. He went to Auburn. I thought it was might have been a mistake for him. He turned out to be Auburn's backup quarterback as a true freshman this year. And he year. played, yeah. And I think he, he, yeah, he rushed for over 200 yards, 300 yards, something like that, and averaged 13 or 14 yards per carry. Man. So I was in Auburn's thought, offense. That's perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought he made a bad decision, but maybe he didn't. Now, I don't think he's going to be an NFL quarterback. Uh, you Most know, Georgia Tech quarterbacks aren't. Or, well, Georgia Tech, <laughs> Auburn, whatever. But at the same time, man. Most players in general are not NFL players. I'm an yeah. advocate of guys have, enjoying their college experience. So if James Graham really wants to play quarterback, go do it. Go go to Georgia Tech by all means. I mean, I, I think you need to enjoy your four or five years of college. Now the problem is, I don't know how old is Paul Johnson. How how long is he going to last? If he goes, if James Graham goes to Georgia Tech to play quarterback, and, and Paul Johnson <laughs> retires in two years, boom. Guess what? You might as well go to Virginia Tech. Yeah, 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 but if he's as good as that, then the next coach, if he has a brain, he'll put him somewhere where he can use him. And, yeah, it could all work out for it him. It could all work out for him, but what what if they decide to put him at wide receiver, and all of a sudden he's been playing quarterback, and now he's got to learn wide receiver, which is something he's never played before. He's going to have a 5'11 quarterback throwing him the ball. 
who doesn't know passing trees. <laughs> I'm mean, telling you, whenever somebody takes over that program from Paul Johnson, it's going to take three or four years to turn it around. Oh, He's got to recruit. I, it. I just, so I think that's. I not, think it's going to take five I, to six years. I think to their turn offense is going to be bad for a couple of years after Paul Johnson leaves. So yeah. I, I just, I don't think that's a situation I'd want to walk into if I'm a quarterback. Thinking, man, if he leaves after a couple of years, I'm going to be at a different position, and I'm, or I'm, not, or maybe they'll move me at quarterback because I happen to be the best guy that's left on the roster. But it's going to be rough. As yeah. we as we wrap up the podcast now, I want to talk about the general thoughts on this class. What are your general thoughts, general impressions from this class? The talent level um, in, in terms of getting on guys that they really, really wanted to get and not having to settle for certain yeah, things. I think it's a very good class. I, I think it's on paper and just my eye test. It's the best class in pro- at least 10 years probably in my opinion. When I, when I look at the fact, when I look at the rivals' rankings, the last time Tech signed a top 20 class by by rivals, excuse me, by rivals was in 2008. And that was when they signed 31 players, and all 31 of those players counted towards the rankings. Now rivals only counts every school's top 20 prospects in their rankings, and Tech is 13th or 14th. And, and the thing about it is, like, I think it's like eight or nine of the teams ahead of Virginia Tech have already signed 20 or more players. And I think eight of the next nine after Virginia Tech have already signed 20 or more players. So Tech's ranking is not, not going to change very lot, much. Yeah. If anything, it, you know, it will go up if they can sign uh, Jean, uh, John Baptiste, uh, Anthony and Dax. Grant, Dax Holyfield. Uh, so, yeah, I don't I don't think Tech's ranking is going to change as, as much as people think it will. I think it's got more of a chance to change on like 247 or ESPN, but I think it's going to stand pat. And I think it's going to go down as Tech's top, top recruiting class of at least the last – 10 years on paper. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I think if you go through the signee list, you'll see a ton more Power 5 offers than normal. Yeah, I did that math yesterday, and uh, the the average Power 5 offer list for last year's class was like just over 7.0, slightly over 7.0. Seven Power 5 offers per recruit. Per recruit, and that was a much higher number than it had been in previous years. right? Now this year is up to around 8.2. So you're talking I mean that's a substantial yeah, increase off of last year which was also an increase over all the previous years. And yeah. some of that is more offers are going out these days, but which is why you can't really do the comparisons back further than like 5 years. But but you know on the whole Virginia Tech is beating out more Power 5 programs. Uh if you look at the rivals rankings or the rivals offer list, Caleb Stewart's the only member of this class that didn't have any Power 5 offers, but if you use the 247 database, he had four Power 5 offers. So it's possible that for this class, Tech beat out at least two Power 5 schools for every single one of their players. Yeah. Last year, they had six players in the class that didn't have any any other Power 5 wow. offers. So, you know, uh, it's just like when Fuente first came to Virginia Tech and we said, you got to be patient with recruiting. Uh, don't judge him on his first class. Wait until the 2018 and 2019 classes after he's had a chance to recruit these guys for over a year. Uh, because recruiting these days is a two- or three-year process. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I think it's a it's a step in the right direction. It's uh, This is kind of how you want it to be proceeding. Getting K.J. Henry would have turbocharged it a little bit. Um, but I, I think that the way this program is going to have to be built is to – Get the right guys in the right positions. And for Justin Fuente, that's quarterback and wide receiver. Um, Bud Foster can make magic with just about anybody. You know, I'm, I'm not downplaying that you need talent on defense, but, you know, that's going to be consistent as long as Bud is here. He's shown that no matter what's there, he could at least put a decent defense on the field. Yeah. yeah. So um, if you give him talent, it's going to be better, obviously. So th- there are some of the right players in the right positions that Justin Fuente needs to get uh, uh, better from a wins and losses standpoint, and then you got to get sexier. You got to be fun to watch. By the end of the by the end of the season this year, they were still winning, but they weren't fun to watch. Right. Um, and those two things, the winning and being more fun to watch, and they they need to have a signature victory here or there. To, yes. You know they had two chances this year, Clemson and Miami, and they got beaten pretty soundly in, in both, both of those instances. Yeah. So it's all part of a process that's taking longer than we would like, but it is on schedule. That's my take on it. Yeah, you know, he didn't get his signature win at Memphis until his fourth year. Yeah. It, After he, it he, took him four years to rebuild the talent in the program to his own specific system, and then they beat Ole Miss. And these things take time, you know, but I do see it progressing, and I do see it being on schedule. 
All right, let's go ahead and hit on the remaining targets really quick before we finish up this podcast. Dax Hollifield, how are we feeling still? 50-50 between Tech and Stanford. You know, he, he wore Tech gloves and a Tech towel in the Shrine Bowl this past, yeah, this past week. Yeah, saw that. And, uh... Virginia Tech's been the one constant in his recruitment the whole time. Sometimes it's been VT and South Carolina. Sometimes VT and UNC. Sometimes VT and Stanford. Even for a little bit, it was VT and Florida State. But it's always VT and somebody else. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, if you had to pick right now, based on that, it would be Tech. Uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste. We talked about it earlier. It depends on how many other teams get involved. I feel good about it right now. You know, if Florida State offers, but why? Yeah, watch the offers. Watch his offer list and what happens. But right now, I feel I feel pretty good about it. Another name I put on this list was Javon Becton, a defensive end who decommitted from Georgia. Is is he a Georgia guy or in-state guy or what? He's, he's from guy. the seven five seven. He was Georgia's second lowest rated recruit. I'm not as high on him as as Javante yeah. Javon Baptiste. Uh, but considering the numbers, he might be a take. He could be a take, yeah, especially if you don't get uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste. He's, he's a good prospect, but I don't put him on the same level as Jean-Baptiste and K.J. Henry. Um, so Tech could end up with him, or they might not. Uh, I don't know. Uh, if he was going to decommit from Georgia, he did at the right time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, last one is Anthony Grant, running back from Buford High School I really Georgia. like Anthony Grant. I think he's a physical player. When you watch his film, there are special teams highlights of him being on the coverage team. And uh, and I like that as a football player. Um, you know, he's an all-around player. There's defensive highlights. He's a really good tackler, a physical player in space. Uh, there are blocking highlights of him in pass protection. Uh, I've heard that Justin Fuente in particular really likes him and thinks he has the potential to be a high NFL draft pick. Um, he finished – Tech finished second for him to Tennessee originally. And I don't think he's going to end up at Tennessee. So by de- by default, you think he would come. So to who's Tech. the competition now, and who's he going to visit? He's going to visit. Well, he's still technically committed to Tennessee, but most people don't think he'll end up there. Kentucky's on the list. Kentucky and UNC are the competition right now, and you know now there's a chance that Grant and John Baptiste could end their recruitments and sign either today or tomorrow. That's possible. Um, I don't expect that to happen. This is being recorded would, on Thursday, so you're, you mean but, but Thursday by the or end, Friday? Yeah, Thursday. Well. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. So the yeah the, the December signing period is uh, is three yeah. days. Yeah. Is over uh, Friday. Friday. Right? Well, or it, Thursday. Wednesday, Friday. Thursday, Friday. Wednesday, Thursday. It's, 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 a, a, it's yeah. a three day signing period, <laughs> yes. December twentieth through twenty second. Yeah. So he could sign by the end of it. He could. Um, I don't. I don't expect him to. But I still think you got to give Tech the 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 the. Uh, the the edge, right the edge. Now. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's like all those other guys. You don't know who's going to come in and offer. Um, Definitely. Cause I think he's one of the better, obviously one of the best running backs left on the board. Definitely. All right, folks, that's all the time we have for this one. Uh, next week, big week. It's Christmas. Enjoy your Christmas. Enjoy your holiday season. Uh, we will have the bowl game next week. We'll have the, uh, the game preview next week for the camping world bowl. Uh, I will be going down to Orlando to cover the camping world bowl versus Oklahoma state. Uh, so we'll have all of that for you next week. We will have a podcast before the Camping World Bowl where we really dive into that game and preview that game. We have, we've been saving that and saving that. We're going to get that done next week. Uh, but until all then, until next time, thanks for listening.